Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Football Corner. I have Mr. Bharat Kapoor sitting next to me. Bharat, you know the drill. Hello, hello, hello. This week we're going to be talking about a roundup of the EPL matches that happened in the previous game week, and we're also going to be talking about the transfer news and speculations which have been hogging the headlines. We're also going to do a quick prediction about next week's big game, which is Manchester United versus Tottenham Hotspurs. Super excited as always, Vicky. Let's do it. Let's do it. If you're listening to this, that means you love football, just like us. Head over to our Facebook group, The Football Corner, where we talk a little bit about the episodes and put up our polls and predictions from each week, and hear what you guys have to say about those. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at Football Babas. That's Football Babas. B A B A S. Our predictions are going to be on the Twitter handle as well. So let us know what you think on Twitter if that's your preferred medium. Sounds about right. Before we jump into the episode, I'd like to take a quick moment to give a shout out to our sponsor, Makers Box. If you love doing hands-on DIY projects or are of the creative bent of mind or just love tinkering around and and making something new, you'd love this awesome maker space at Sproutbox Surya Vilas in New Delhi. You can check out more details on makersbox.in or in our show notes. Let's dive into the episode. The first match we're going to be talking about Bharat to your dismay is uh well a, a severe fall from grace. Liverpool Swansea playing the absolute bottom table team manager less still i think no no not manager less but yeah let's get it out of the way quickly <sighs> i don't mind one um, nil lost to swansea by liverpool what happened there man i wasn't feeling this game man before the game started i wasn't feeling this game and like you said the fall from grace beating the league leaders one week Un- and then the undefeated league leaders and the undefeated league leaders putting in probably the performance of the season by any team so far and then losing one nil to the bottom club it was uh, uh, like i said i wasn't feeling it and i was expecting you know a draw probably not a loss i thought liverpool had enough firepower maybe just to score one goal which they probably should have at the end when firmino hit the post and then an amazing block by mohsen but that just about summed up the game i mean i i know that you no one can expect or could have expected liverpool to go the distance with the with the season based on their performances with city like holding up and then fighting for that second position throughout i they kind of look like it but an immediate fall from grace like immediately the next week this was the same team by the way that played city if i'm not mistaken except vvd came in vvd came in for lovren who some can argue was maybe a better option but a one nil loss to the last position last place team in the league i did not expect that by a mile this is a standard liverpool performance uh, a team that sits deep and is prepared to only venture on the counter attack swansea manager carlos carvajal he actually said that they had a plan in mind for liverpool and that you know they had a surprise or two up their sleeve and obviously wow doesn't take a genius to figure out that liverpool's weakness is set pieces <laughs> i have reiterated this wiki and you can back me up on this i told you vvd coming in is not going to solve all of liverpool's defensive problems it's obviously it's obviously not going to solve all of the it problems. was his mistake that gave away the goal mind you 
he headed the ball straight to fernandez who Dude, just got whatever, touched to it and then mohsen is, just just the same team that demolished city a week ago the same team that demolished city that, so that's that's why this league is the best in the world that's why we watch this league and we don't watch crappy serie a and one sided hey, bundesliga hello, hello. easy easy okay fine easy. napoli is doing well in serie a fine we we'll, doing great we'll things talk man. about that later but um, just just to sum up the slight tactical part of this game uh swansea had a game plan they started with a 352 which is obviously not a 352 it was a 532 and uh, they were pretty much the lowest of the low blocks that you have ever seen in your life with all 11 players in their own half of the pitch there were no spaces between lines vertical or horizontal the moment the ball went to a liverpool player and he would try and advance with it or try and pick out a pass he would be pressed and not pressed by one person the whole team would press So um I think it was a really dogged disciplined performance by Swansea. Obviously the oh you're missing Coutinho argument will come up but I've seen Liverpool lose games with Coutinho in the side where teams have set up exactly like this and have managed to just nick a goal and then and beat Liverpool. Liverpool's biggest problem is they don't have an aerial presence in the box. So when they cross the ball in the in a crowded box then they're really not favored to win that ball. Uh, so are, are they in the market for Peter Crouch and Andy Carroll then? <laughs> More on that later. More on that later. Hello, hello, the Blues. Oh my God, I can't get over that. Yeah, I can't wait to get to that. Um, talking about talking about the match. Um, a little bit more. I think Liverpool had uh, a lion's share of the possession in this one, right? Over seventy uh, percent of the ball. Yeah. So is that the tactic to beat Liverpool? That, that is a tactic. Ball? That is a tactic. Don't so let Liverpool, them counter or something. Yeah, Liverpool thrive on space in behind, right? their transition from defense to attack is their most lethal weapon. And you saw it uh, against Swansea as well when they got a couple of chances to do that they almost scored. Uh Sala uh, missed something that he probably at least should have got on target. Mane uh, the ball he was just on the stretch again he should have probably got it on target. And then Firmino hits the post with the last well kick or head of the game and then Lalana Mosen blocks that that point blank. I think um Salad was not getting any joy on the wing because the formation was a 5-3-2 and then changed to a 5-4-1 so he was always doubled up on and so he kept on coming inside because he was hoping that you know he'd maybe get a ball in where he could play a quick 1-2 and try and get in behind or just maybe turn the turn a, a defender like he did for in the Leicester game there was absolutely no space between the lines there was no pockets and liverpool just whenever they they got the ball between the lines they were quickly closed down and this was a game crying out fadam lalana because he has the finesse that coutinho used to provide that not many players in in the liverpool team had liverpool have pace power precision good finishing but that craft that that ability to you know uh, pick up the ball and just make something happen was where lalana would have been really useful and klopp didn't start him i think that was one of the big problems in my opinion klopp maybe should have just you know gone gung ho and gone 442 and maybe just put mane up top with firmino and let sala be on the wing this time opposite to what he did in the in the west ham game where he put sala up front i think maybe you know put ox on the left put sala on the right get that get those two guys you know running on the flank and try and try and create something for the two strikers but he didn't he he it was more mostly a 4231 and then he moved to a 433 when when lalana came on so yeah it was it was it was a really tepid game it wasn't the best of games because swansea were just not giving liverpool any space i i don't blame them that's the way to play against liverpool is the right way to play against liverpool right i think a lot of managers will pick up from what swansea did um 
correctly in this game to counter whenever they do play Liverpool. What Liverpool potentially lose out, not potentially, what they actually lost out on with this game is uh, their position on the table. They're now down to fourth and they're three points behind Chelsea who won against Brighton, obviously, with uh, uh, Chelsea sitting on 50 and Liverpool's on 47 and Man United obviously on 43. So, and 53. 53, sorry. And they couldn't have gotten an easier game to consolidate their position and uh, um, get 50 points out of this one. So a loss would really harm them in the long long run because, I mean, I don't see games getting easier for them from now on, right? A team that actually had a good response from last week's mauling by Liverpool was Man City and they played Newcastle. And Aguero ended up getting a hat-trick here and it was a 3-1. But again, like many Man City games... On paper, it might look like a close one or an alright game. It was a complete domination fest by City, this one, right? Fairly, a fairly dominating performance. I wouldn't say they completely dominated the game. I think uh, Newcastle, I think Rafa took uh, Leaf out of Klopp's book and decided that he's actually going to press City in, in some areas. And they actually managed to do that. And they managed to do that well. They got it to 2-1. Then... Edison made a mistake and almost conceded. Oh, that was hilarious, by the way. Did you see that? Yeah, it did. It was it was absolutely hilarious. And um, probably should have been two two. And then Sane, what oh, a bit of magic! Jesus. Oh my that guy's god, mad. he's mad. I mean that that sort of close control is just not. I haven't seen that from anyone in the league except maybe Coutinho and Hazard. <sighs> I put him in my league uh, team of the season, mid, which we which we did uh, midway through the season, and he's never getting out of that team if he keeps playing like this. What he does on that left side is invaluable to Manchester City, and I don't know. I don't know if Sanchez coming in and fighting with uh, if if he would have fought with Sane for that left left side position would have been a good thing because uh, he's irreplaceable for those guys right now. Probably, but Sanchez would have been a completely different option, right? He uh, Sane is left-footed and he plays on the left so uh, even though the trend nowadays is of inverted wingers and left-footed players playing on the right and right-footed players playing on the left with classic example of Sanchez doing that but Pep's just managed to move away from his traditional model and he's playing wingers traditionally and then they can go either side either they go down the line and cross the ball in or, or get a cutback in or they come inside and try and play wall passes and, and you know one-touch, two-touch football so Peps, Pep, if Sanchez had gone there, he would have just added to a mighty, mighty attack and City might just have been unstoppable and might have won a treble. I don't know about that, man. Because if if you do a like-for-like replacement and put uh, Sanchez on the left side, one thing that completely goes away, which we've seen with Sanchez's track record, is uh, the backtracking that Sané provides to you whenever, whenever he has to pull back into that defensive position. Like, you've seen Jesus do that for um, City as well. I don't know if Sanchez would have been able to do that. I don't know if he'll be able to do that with United as well. So, I don't I don't know. Maybe, maybe Sanchez would have been played in a different position had he gone to City. I don't think he would have pulled Sané off that left because there's so much value he provides, especially in a counter. Just, he just runs around. He pulls back for defense. I'm so impressed by that guy, man. He's so, so good. Sanchez has worked with Pep before at Barcelona. And uh, they, he knows Pep's style really well. And he knows that Pep would have uh, wanted a whole different level of intensity that Asin can't can't get out of his players. So, it Ooh. would have... Uh, Mr. Arsenal, Asin Wenger. Oh, that guy. I know Dinosaur that guy. Wenger. Yeah, I know that guy. Um, so, he would have most likely played up front a rotating with Aguero and, and Jesus 
and uh, some once in a while when you know maybe they need goals or something like that when they're chasing a game maybe playing on the left with aguero or jesus up top he i think guardiola would have demanded it and got that in its intensity and and sort of those defensive duties out of sanchez but hey um, you know ifs and buts because guess where he is at the moment man united i think they got a great great deal what a deal man what I mean, you don't deal. you don't pay a cent you give mkhitaryan away who obviously is not in jose's uh, um well favored books and all right now uh there's a lot of there's a lot of hoopla about uh, sanchez's salary but if you look at the total package cost that these guys have without paying any transfer fees and if you look at his contract for 4 years he still comes out cheaper than a pogba or a lukaku in the long term definitely he's going to sell jerseys as well mind you so of course, of course. adidas are going to benefit hugely from that as are manchester united at the same time the it's not more it's not about the transfer fee. i think 35 million at this point in time in the in world football and for a club of the stature and peanuts. financial might of united is peanuts right peanuts but it's about the harmony in the dressing room because now pogba's like what the hell i you know i'm i'm the star player yeah i'm like 23 24 i have a good 7 8 years left for to give to united and you know dominate that midfield and here this guy's coming in for like what two or three years at max and has a salary that's uh, one and a half times more than mine or I, or I twice think, I think twice that's, that of that's, mine i think that's more of a media thing man or maybe a mino raiola thing i know pogba for a fact being a footballer in this in this financially infused uh, day and age of football understands that it's not only about the salary being drawn it's also about the entire money man united is allocating to one player so for pogba it's 100 million that they paid to a club plus the amount of money that they're paying to pogba on a weekly basis and for the contract length that that amounts to whatever money it amounts to and sanchez is is only the salary that they're paying so he understand that the money that Manchester United have allocated or or spent on a particular player for Pogba versus Sanchez is there's no comparison there at all and I know I think I I I think Pogba understands that and uh, I think the only reason the the whole Pogba demanding more money and stuff like that is is completely media generated and his agent probably. or or his agent if if it's coming internally as well because his agent is his agent but dude Raiola made his money of the Pogba transfer he made like 40 million of that Pogba transfer. So it's not like he is he is demanding that Pogba gets paid more because he doesn't stand to make any more money out of that. So I don't I don't think it's going to be that issue. Um of course he does. Or does he? Of course he does. An agent gets a percentage of your salary as well. Oh. Cuz he's the one oh. who negotiates that, that salary. That changes things. That of changes course. things. I don't know, but I I feel like I hope Pogba understands that because um it's going to lead to a lot of disharmony. Wait, I have a direct line to him. Let me just get you on with it. Yeah. Him. Yeah. Okay. I'm waiting. No, nothing. No. Didn't answer. Yeah, no. he's probably sleeping right now, man. Yeah. But um, let's see. Let's see how that unfolds. Um, talking about Sanchez, obviously, I feel like he's going to be a straight swap into that left side position for for United because even though Martial, Rashford, no complaints from how those guys have played um, this season, I feel like he's the obvious replacement there because of the role those guys play with Sane it's a different role that Sane plays on the left with Martial and and Rashford they play pretty much the same role that Sanchez does as well and Sanchez is obviously a better player in my opinion there so it's going to be an interesting look man it's going to be a very interesting look that United will have and if he does hit the ground running or if he does well with that squad um on the field i don't know off the field if that's going to happen it's going to be a good good team uh, going into the future 
I think you've got that spot on. He is definitely going to slot in straight away on that left side. And you know the problem for United this season would probably was that okay they had Lukaku who you you know expect he's going to get you anywhere between twenty to thirty goals in the season, but you needed someone else to hit those numbers as well. And Lingard, Mata, and Martial slash Rashford combined might not have hit those numbers. What they've got in Sanchez is that sprinkling of stardust. They've got a little bit more quality. They know that. If you give this guy a chance, there's a very high probability he's going to score, a good chance. So if you if you play people like you know Mata who are really creative but not that good at scoring goals, then you know you have a chance of Sanchez scoring, you know even in the second half of the season, fifteen, twenty, twenty, maybe not twenty five, but fifteen to twenty goals. It's possible because United are playing in in a lot of competitions as well. So I think he just adds a a lot to that. To that starting lineup in terms of goals and assists, and just just his tenacity, his his intensity, and his attitude. He just he loves playing football. You can see that he lost that a bit at Arsenal under Wenger, but Mourinho, if he doesn't laden him too much with defensive responsibilities, like he did with Hazard at Chelsea, we've seen that before. You know, similar sort of star quality player. Um, then Sanchez this season and the next might be a huge huge signing for United. Especially that since they just sent Mkhitaryan, the other side, and actually just added on maybe a hundred thousand a week on top of Mkhitaryan's freed up wages, what a deal! Brilliant. I agree, man. And talking about that swap, Mkhitaryan actually is going to earn double of what he was earning at Man United at uh, Arsenal. No, no, no. I I don't think so. I think it's a two hundred thousand a week. Yeah, so he package. was on he was on about one sixty one seventy. Oh, okay, okay, and um, well, yeah, that's fair. I mean, Sanchez wages going off the books for Arsenal as well. But talking about that swap, ah, uh, I don't think he completes uh, whatever Arsenal's requirements were. Arsenal still need to get um, I, there. Are talks of Aubameyang coming to Arsenal and and Malcolm coming to Arsenal. One of those guys needs to come in. Arsenal squad is still pretty incomplete. They had a great match, although they won four one against. Against Palace and Nacho Monreal kicked ass in that game, and uh, then went off injured in the thirty-fifth minute. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's it's an injury scare, so I think I think that was fair. But I think a big difference with this game was that Ozil was back in the squad as well. So I think that if Aubameyang, for example, if he comes in or or someone someone needs to come in apart from Mkhitaryan only in this transfer window to sort of complete that squad and take it to where it's supposed to go, as opposed to where it's well kind of languishing right now. I mean the four-one. Scoreline obviously does not reflect that, but the scorelines before this, um, it wasn't it wasn't looking too good for Arsenal. I don't agree at all that the squad is going to be taken to a new place even with Aubameyang coming because their Arsenal like Liverpool to a certain degree are missing a spine or important players in the spine. They need a really good central defender and they need a world class defensive midfielder. And Arsenal haven't had those in a while. Koscielny, yeah, you could argue for a season was was world class, but. He's injured and he's oh, or he's injury prone rather, and he's old and he's and he's getting on. So, but they have Per Mertesacker. He's retiring at the end of the season. He's club oh, captain, man. and he's retiring at the end of the season. And they have Iobi. <laughs> I just kidding. saw my face, didn't you? No, I'm but uh, genuinely, I think uh, one thing that poses a problem for Arsenal uh, for in this swap is that they lose a lot of pace. Alexis Sanchez had a lot of pace. Mkhitaryan does not have pace. What he does. Like though is playing with strikers who have pace, as does Ozil. So both of them are you know creative players, and I'm probably ask. I would love for Arsenal to play a four-two-two-two, 
with Aubameyang and Lacazette up top, Ozil and Mkhitaryan behind them, and then two really good solid midfielders, you know, protecting that back four. Never going to happen. Most likely is going to be a three-four-three, where you know Ozil and and Mkhitaryan are going to play behind the the lone front pair, either Lacazette or Aubameyang if he comes in. So Mkhitaryan played with Aubameyang at Dortmund. They had a great partnership. Aubameyang has a lot of pace, so he makes a lot of runs in uh, behind in space. And Mkhitaryan and and Ozil are perfect for that. They they love finding players in in forward space, and they play those eye of the needle passes really well too. So I think necessity for Arsenal is a holding midfielder and a and a centre half. Without that, they're still going to be fifth, sixth, or sixth. Interesting, man. Let's wait to see what pans out. I. Pretty sure all of that cannot possibly work out in the January transfer window, so it's going to have to wait till the summer. But uh, um, I'm kind of keen on Aubameyang coming into the Premier League. It's going to make it's going to add another interesting facet to Arsenal, and it's going to make it more competitive. So it's going to be much more fun to watch, basically. And I really like him as a player. He's always had pace, but the past few seasons he's sort of um, proven that he's 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 gotten better at finishing as well, which I think he was lacking earlier on in his career. So, uh, him coming into the Premier League, obviously linking up with Mick again and uh, Ozil being the great passer that he is, it's going gonna, it's gonna to add something to that Arsenal lineup, if not everything. Uh, talking about striker rumours here, Chelsea have been in the market for a big man and they have finally finalised a deal with Eden Dzeko, But Oh, wait. Not Carroll? Jesus, man, they they were in the market for anyone, literally anyone. They were in the market for Carroll. They were in the market for Peter Crouch. He's thirty six, and they wanted to get Kevin Davies out of retirement. <laughs> for for the fans who don't know who Kevin Davies is, he's an ex Bolton legend, uh, whose whose favorite manager and vice versa. The relationship was Big Sam, so they loved each other because he's just a battering ram. They just they just I don't know what his sudden obsession with tall players is like. I understand the need for one. Benteke too, mind you. So clearly he yeah. wants he's he's looking for that profile of a target man. You know, Morata also fits that profile, but with a little bit more mobility. Clearly, he does not rate Batshuayi, who uh, started the game by the way, and I don't think he played badly at he all. Had a, he had a great game. Did you see that second goal, the William goal? Right, right. I I was like, what the hell just happened? And he's still in the market, and now he, obviously Eden Jacko's coming in. But you know, for a, for a, for a short while, that I threw my hat in the ring too. I'm six three. Yeah, you could yeah. you could possibly. Head I was ball. actually planning to set up an appointment with you so we could go down the pitch. You could just throw me long balls and help me practice just chesting them down or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I mean, you've got a, a leap from playing yeah. from your basketball. I, I had the I had the aerial abilities. I I could have done well in that Chelsea I, squad. I think you could have too. I would have paid I would, you a thousand I would, pounds. I would have been fine with a thousand pounds a week, to be honest. A I, month, a month. <laughs> A month? Oh, I would have... No, <laughs> I, I need to sign Mino Raiola for that to happen. Um, but, yeah, so finally, Eden Dzeko coming in and uh, Emerson as well for that left-back position. I think um, um, a backup to uh, Alonso there. So, I don't know. I kind of like Dzeko over everything else the transfer mill was speculating for Chelsea. He's obviously a proven Premier League scorer. Uh, he's been doing great things for Roma. So, I don't think that's a bad option for Chelsea at all. Hundred uh, percent, the best player that they've been linked at in terms of that striking position, and uh, remember, he absolutely rattled Chelsea in that uh, in those bo- in both the games that Chelsea played against Roma in the Champions League in the group stages earlier right, right. earlier in the season. He absolutely battered Chelsea both the games. He has pedigree. He has a good touch. He can definitely finish. We know he can finish, and he's a nuisance. Right. The only thing he lacks is mobility, and I think Conte is prepared to. Sort of forego that because he has small mobile players around him, Hazard, Pedro, Willian. Right. And especially after the targets that 
um conte was after and uh, before he signed jacko it was pretty clear what his intent was from from getting the striker and i think jacko fits the bill completely and i'm more than happy than to give up my candidacy for um the striker position to jacko i think i think i can take that yeah why don't we focus on tfc vicky <laughs> <laughs> i was kind of excited I, i saw myself as a future footballer so you can't blame me right right the right age perfect age 28 29 i would have gotten that nice fine are we are we done yeah yeah we are sorry <laughs> jacko man i like i like the signing by chelsea and uh, i like emerson as well um i pretty surprised have you seen much of emerson i have i have uh, i'm pretty surprised roma let both of them go to be honest this 50 55 odd million right it's not a bad deal it is it is deal. and it's it's at a very crucial juncture in the italian league because well they're not winning it right they're, they're not. the best they can do is is come third yeah and, and they probably will I come think, third i think i think this sort of seals their um acknowledgement of the fact that they're not competing for that um serie a title it's clearly between napoli and juve now uh, uh, slightly earlier in the season it was roma was in the mix lazio was in the mix Inter um, too. Inter too. So I think this is Roma's acknowledgement that yeah, we're going to be taking this money, building for the next season. Let's see what the summer is going to be like. Um, Jacko going. I see. I don't mind that too much. He's thirty two, thirty three. So uh, it's going to be a move for the future. Uh, maybe younger people that they bring in. So let's see. Let's see. It's kind of. It's. I don't like statements. Statements like these from teams, especially mid season, uh, when they when they clearly acknowledge the fact that we've given up on the title race and stuff like that. But. pragmatism i guess prevailed here i don't know i mean it's uh, easier to replace a left back than a goal scorer right and he may be getting on but mobility was never his thing anyway he was always your tall center forward who's going to get you headed goals who's you know going to keep center halves occupied who's going to hold the ball up bring others into play he was never the guy who's going to be running in behind anyway so i don't know what the thinking is maybe they have their transfer targets and they need some money to to get those maybe they're going to buy somebody in january who knows there's still you know just over a week left So we don't know what's going on behind the scenes there, but uh, that's anyway. true. That's true. It's a pretty fresh deal. I think it's not even completely formalized yet. So yeah. let's see. Let's see what the remnants of that deal are. So Chelsea getting Jacko. That's pretty interesting. Batshuayi will probably never ever play again. <laughs> knowing Conte's I don't know. I don't know why Conte doesn't just doesn't rate him. Yeah, he can be inconsistent, but. We he's, haven't seen enough of him. We haven't seen enough yeah. of him because he hasn't been given enough of a chance. He hasn't that's been true. given a run in whenever he's played. he's he scored he's assisted he's you know i think he's got a half decent record um he in fact won chelsea the title last season with that uh or with those goals against west brom so i i, I don't know how uh, what conte is thinking is he just doesn't fancy him i guess i know man weird weird uh, manager thinking uh since we're on the subject of managers one of our well slightly favored managers just Got kicked out of Watford, Marco Silva. Uh, so that's right for just wanting to jump on the gravy train, right? I mean, can you blame us? That first half of the season was pretty good by him. He's been touted for uh, Southampton, by the way, because Pellegrino's not doing too well at Southampton. Although, it, I mean, he just drew with Spurs. One one. One off. One off result. Let's see. Let's see where Marco Silva goes. I think he needs to go to a bigger club than Watford. Otherwise, this this. this um what do you say i'm actually very confident he's going to go to southampton because southampton and watford have similar models you know they fire managers every year or managers get sacked or quit you know within a year or or two years and watford are, are known for that too i think they they've it's great news to them that watford has have sacked 
Marco Silva. So that one are going to do uh, behind the scenes are going to be pushing for a deal to get Marco Silva in and then sack poor Pellegrini. <laughs> let's see man. So Javi Garcia coming in from Malaga f- to uh, Watford. Let's see let's see how he does and best of luck to him man. I kind of like Watford as a team. I really like Richarlison as a player individually so I'm pretty curious to see how his season pans out. Maybe maybe he doesn't even stick around at Watford by next season. Let's see what happens. That wraps up this section for EPL Plus Plus for us and now let's hop on to polls and predictions. For this episode's prediction, we are going to be talking about next week's big match, Spurs versus United. Is it at Wembley? It is at Wembley. Yes. I think um that's a good game for United to play, honestly. I reiterate that the size of the Wembley pitch, Old Trafford is similar, but the size of the Wembley pitch sometimes doesn't suit Tottenham. It just doesn't suit Tottenham at times. Uh, dude, it's down to Harry Kane. <laughs> it's pretty pretty clear. I I also feel that Sanchez even though they have um, FA Cup uh, on the weekend, I'm not sure Sanchez is going to play there, but Sanchez is definitely playing this game against Spurs. I think that's almost a certainty that he's going to start on that left side unless unless Mourinho sees something on the training field training pitch that he doesn't like or wants Sanchez to work on stuff but as of right now I'm pretty sure he's going to start on that left and Pro- it's going to be a cracker probably not something that he's wanting to work on probably just getting him acclimatized to you know the united training regime getting him acclimatized to the defensive system that united employs and for Mourinho that's the most important thing getting that defensive system right so i think uh, it's almost a sure shot he's going to start but if he doesn't we're definitely going to see him somewhere around the 65th 70th minute for sure man i think the only thing that um, um well now who plays behind sanchez uh, luke shaw as of right now or uh, ashley young whatever whatever that decision is i think luke shaw playing is fine because then sanchez would have to do less defensively tracking backtracking in terms of uh, getting back to their defensive half luke shaw i think is a machine he he'll take care of that up and down and he'll complement sanchez down that left side as well it's going to be interesting to see how trippier or orier take on sanchez um he's not the most uh, stable player when he has the ball on his feet and uh, i don't know let's see let's see how mourinho takes care of that he's still an a threat whenever he has the ball and uh, like we spoke about earlier compared to martial and rashford who've had great seasons uh, individually as well they've they've contributed enough to that united team sanchez is going to be the big dog in that left flank rashford and martial they're still kids right they're still developing rashford hasn't had the best sort of middle part of the season you know he's uh, gone off the boil a bit and therefore martial is now has made that left sided attacking midfielder spot his own that's definitely going to change with sanchez as for him giving the ball away it's simply because he tries things right he tries to make things happen and the attacking third of the pitch is your low percentage zone wherein you try things which are unlikely to come off but if they come off then it results in a key pass or an assist or a goal so that's what sanchez brings to the team i think his partnership with luke shaw stays fit and that's a big if uh, he's one of the crocs and we're going to be talking about this in a, a couple of episodes down the line he's a bit of a croc i think if he stays fit his partnership with sanchez will be phenomenal he's a beast he just goes up and down that flank like a like a supercar and sanchez always obviously cuts in on his right foot always he rarely if ever goes down the line so that frees up a lot of space for luke shaw to go on on the overlap and uh, for them to to strike up that partnership where if he's in space sanchez plays him in and then you know he's he's in a great spot for a for a cross across goal or a or a cutback so i think 
that partnership could be absolutely phenomenal and unbreakable at times i agree man i'm kind of excited to see how that pans out talking about spurs a little bit here they're coming off a, a drabby draw with southampton 1-1 so they're going to be slightly fired up and uh, obviously they're in that that fight for that top four position as well so they're going to have some intent when they come into this game how do you, how do you feel they're going to line up for this one i think if uh, eriksen comes back into the lineup they're going to switch to uh, back three again and play dyer along with davinson sanchez as and uh, and vertonghen with the two wing backs he can choose whoever he wants depending on freshness and and injuries and stuff and then i think uh, dembele and uh, musa sissoko are going to slot into that central midfield role and then it's obviously going to be kane up front and then two out of the three for the two attacking midfield spots uh, son deli ali or eriksen i have a feeling he might switch to a 343 with eriksen you know starting on the bench i'm not sure why he didn't play the southampton game but uh, we don't know we don't know i mean uh, eriksen being fit or not fit uh, has a fair bit to do with the with the actual lineup that's true i think uh, eriksen is an automatic slot in for that team he missed that game because of illness so um assuming a week from now he should be fairly fit to play that game and uh, if he is then he's obviously coming in that's an interesting approach i think i think it makes sense for spurs to play that back 3 against united because well actually i don't know with sanchez it might just be a completely different team but uh, let's see how that one goes what's your prediction for the game i am going to predict i don't know actually What's your prediction? Let me think about mine for a Interesting. second. Interesting. That I've never heard you not giving a prediction. I don't know, man. Wembley, um Kane being the form he's in, but Jose being Jose, he's always had some sort of a um uh, an equalizer for someone who's being in a fine run of form. I think this I won't be surprised if this one ends up being a draw. Surprise, surprise. Jose playing for a draw to a top 6 rival away from home. Wow. Score draw or nil nil? Can you blame him? I don't know. I think I of think of course I can blame him. He's, <laughs> they claim to be the biggest club in England. Then bloody play like the biggest club in England, na? <laughs> Jesus, man, that's like some personal vendetta against United right there. No, no. I'm honestly, I uh, started hating United a lot less. I hate Mourinho more now. I just hate. Interesting, him. interesting. I think it's not going to be a nil nil. It's going to be either a one one or a two two. I'm going for a three two Spurs. A three two Spurs? Yeah. Ooh, goal fest. Goal fest. I would love to see that happen to be honest. It's just going to be a fun fun game to watch then. So guys, that was our prediction for the Spurs United game next week. Do hit us up on our Facebook group The Football Corner and let us know what you think and also on Twitter at Football Babas. That's Football Babas B A B A S. We're also going to be putting up a prediction for next week's game on Twitter. That about wraps up this week's episode for The Football Corner. You guys can definitely find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast from. And like Vicky said, we'd love to hear from you on our Facebook group. Uh, there's lots of trolls, memes going on. Obviously, the polls and predictions, and also interact with us on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you there. Or if you want to send us an email, you can find us on tfc at manchamedia dot com. Our theme music was provided by Kevin McCloy. You can find his stuff on incompetech dot com. More details in our show notes. This has been a Muncher Media production. Catch you guys next time. Ciao. Peace.